Hello and welcome to the podcast version of Kenya's biggest conversation that's broadcast live every weekday morning from 6 to 10 a.m. on Spice FM. Hit subscribe for more thought-provoking conversations with your hosts Eric Latif, Ndu Oko and C.T. Muga and who's who of an eclectic mix of guests from the world of politics, policy, business and culture. This is a Situation Room podcast. Enjoy. Peterson Washira is a man that who, who's asking whether the government can be lent some money by INM Bank. He is the national chairman of the Kenya Union of Clinical Officers. Good morning, Peterson. Good morning. Peterson, you just walked in and we, we invited you here so we can talk about what the unions are complaining about, yours yes. being one of them, mm. which is uh, the content of the finance bill. Yes. With particular focus to the housing fund mm. what is the position of the kenya union of clinical officers on this yeah mm. thank you <laughs> and it's always uh, good being here let me say that um, not only as clinical officers as all the workers all the public workers and this does not by the way only apply to the public service workers it also applies to those in the private sector mm. they, they're also going to be deducted mm. we have um, three, in principle there are several issues that we do not agree with mm -hmm. number one anybody raiding a worker's pay slip are supposed to go through a union the reason as to why unions exist and why unions were formed was to entrench democracy at the workplace to ensure that every worker feels that they are represented in decisions that are made to govern their workplace mm -hmm. and themselves so by the government just deciding to go ahead and raid our members uh, pay slips without uh, actually even uh, coming to the table and telling us that this is what we want to do and this is how your members are going to benefit that by itself we do not actually agree with and it actually goes against the statutes that govern the labor relations number two we feel that the government is not being sincere mm. and the government is shifting the burden of responsibility to the employee, what they're supposed to be doing themselves. Uh, if you look at um, NHIA, for example, there is a, an amended act of last year that also mandated an employer to pay a matching amount to NHIF. Yep. If you are paying a thousand, your employer is supposed to pay a thousand shillings. Mm. So the government does not want to pay. So it wants to shift the, whatever they were supposed to pay to the employee. If you look at the regulations that are proposed, that have been proposed, that mm. I think uh, today is the deadline as to when we were supposed to give our uh, inputs, mm. then it's a have regulation. They have removed the obligation of the employer to, to pay a matching amount. So what they are simply telling you is that we don't want to pay as employers, so we want you to pay what you would have paid. And that is why they're increasing that. NHIF. Explain, explain that. This is about NHIF. NHIF. Uh -huh. In the amended act, it provides that the employer shall pay a matching amount. Yes. Mm -hmm. If you are deducted 1500 yeah. your employer also pays for you 1500 Yes. In the regulations that are now supposed to operationalize that act, mm -hmm. whatever now they are going to use at the NHIF, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They have conveni conveniently omitted that part. 
and for, the, for the employer contribution. Yes, they have provided for what is the obligation of the employer and NHIF, mm -hmm. but that has been omitted so that they do not pay a matching amount. And that is why now they're increasing the employees so that now you can they can get the equal amount of funds they would have gotten without subjecting the employer to pay the same. What have and they increased? NHIF deductions to 2.75 of your gross salary, mm -hmm. not your basic. So that means for anybody who was paying the maximum of 1700 then you are going to be paying 2700 And of course, we know the issues that we actually do have with NHIF. If you look at the Employment Act, the obligation to ensure that the employee is treated is actually for the employer. It is the employer who has been obligated to actually do that. Yet, now the employer only wants the employee to be the ones to finance their medical attention. Mm. We are not even complying with the law. When it comes to the housing fund, the housing, the housing fund, what does, first of all, what, what does the law say? Article 43 of the Constitution is uh, where they provide for accessible and adequate housing, not owned housing. Then in the Employment Act, it provides that every employer in their own expense, at their, at their own expense, sorry, they shall provide housing convenient and close to the workplace to the employee. It is the obligation of the employer. Now you can see what the government is doing. And why I'm saying that we feel actually that um, the truthful men are not actually truthful is that while you are being deducted this, there are many other ways that you can actually do this without overburdening an employee because the Kenyan employee today is overtaxed, overburdened. The cost of living has gone so high that we can barely afford uh, to, to live a comfortable lifestyle for us and our families. And uh, from June, we are increasing the fuel levy to 12, every, to, I, I think uh, by, by another 8%, sorry. VAT. Mm. Yeah, VAT. Mm. And that means that uh, the cost of everything else is going to go high. The cost of living is going up. Mm. And then you are telling us, I still want to come and raid your pay slips. So why can't the government... Uh, invite private entities to do <coughs> private-public partnerships, build these houses, then we can use uh, probably our housing uh, allowance. There are people who have an al a housing allowance, uh, 40,000, 50,000. That is enough for you to get a mortgage and you can be able to purchase that house once it's constructed without anybody having to read, uh, to, to read your, your pay So we feel that there is something we are not being told. This money is not for actually for housing. This money is not for housing because there are other ways and better ways to do this without actually having to overburden the employees. Uh. And that is why I'm saying probably the truthful men are not truthful. <laughs> and um, in principle, the last thing is that where we are as uh, employees, I think uh, cumulatively we are being taxed uh, around 52%. And that is now what, that is including all these deductions. And don't tell me it's not a tax. Because if you tell me it's not a tax, but it's mandatory and uh, it, it's prescribed by the government, what are you telling me? It's a saving. But uh, can you be compelled to save? Well, the yeah, government is helping being, you. Is, help, is being <laughs> deliberate in its assistance of creating a savings <coughs> culture in Kenya. The government has licensed circles, banks, and many other institutions.
I can save my money in circles, I do, many people do. We go to insurance firms and we save for education for our kids. We can go to banks and open a savings account. We have so many options of saving. Why does the government want to compel us to earn? What about the freedom of choice? Did they even ask us in the first place whether we are saving or not? How did they conclude that we are not saving? <laughs> this is just a convenient narrative. <laughs> Peterson. The other guest we have in the studio is Edwin Dunder, the CEO of Cyton Investment. Good morning, Edwin. Morning. <laughs> Good to have you as well here. You have also been talking about the housing fund and analyzing what has been proposed in the finance bill, what had been proposed previously. This is not new, though. It had been proposed before in the previous administration. Um, unions went to court and were challenging it. And those issues that were being challenged was primarily because there was insufficient and inadequate public participation. Now it's back. Yeah. With sufficient and adequate public participation. <laughs> <laughs> what is your view of the housing fund? Thanks. Um, I think it's good to... In, you know, I, I sit where CT usually sits, and mm. I think he always starts with a proverb. Yes. So I want to continue that and start with a quote. This is from a gentleman called Devin D. in uh, June 2018. Mm. You've said this is nothing new. For sure it's nothing new. The only thing that's new is that in 2018, it was 1.5%. That was a proposal. Now it's 3%, so it's double. So David D. says, who thinks for this government? How do you convince a minimum wage earner in Kwale to finance middle-class housing in Nairobi? This is just a $9 billion a year slash fund for the government. Now, the only thing that has changed is no longer $9 billion a year. It is $18 billion a year. And now, that now David is on the other side of... Now he's on the other side. <laughs> so with that quote, um, we first have to start from the positive side. It is a good idea. Everybody wants housing. Who wouldn't want housing? Two, as uh, uh, my friend Washir has just said, uh, everybody wants to save. So who wouldn't, who wouldn't want to save? So the president wants something good, which is housing. He wants to increase savings. The only, the only question is how it is being done. The way it's being done, for me, is not even about the transparency issues. The math does not add up. Because when you talk about housing, the minimum house you can put in the market that I know about is 27 square meters. That is really a large hotel room. If you take 27 square meters, the cheapest you can actually build it is about 40,000 per square meter. So this house is 1.2 million. Now, if somebody is going to save for this house, let's take a median income earner, that is 50,000 shillings a month. 3% of that from themselves and from their employer, that is 3,000. They would have to save for over 30 years to be able to afford the cheapest house. So yeah. are we saying that people should start saving today and get the house in 30 years? I don't know. So those are the issues that they need to come and explain. Now, while the plan is not new, the initiative also is not new. We've been doing affordable housing. So my second issue is just accountability. It would have been good for the government to come and say, the houses we've done, for example, in Gara, this is how much they cost, so it was efficient. And by the way, these are the people who got it. Because there's a question of, for the ones you've done, the 1,000, how much did they cost you? Are you 
anywhere close to the 40,000 per square meter. Are you efficient? And f and once you were done, how did you uh, how how did you distribute it? Who got it? Is it really the hustlers that got it or not? So if the math is not adding up, if there is no accountability on what has been done uh, so far, and then going back to what Washira is saying, but the private sector can do this. We can do this. Uh, there's a question of then what is the role of government? Is it security, roads, or is it helping us to save and building for us houses? And are, are they good at that? So for me, those are the three key issues that I see. One, the math is not adding up. Two, we need more accountability. Three, the, the, the private sector can do it. And maybe the fourth one, which again is fundamental, if you look at government funds so take like ways of fund youth enterprise funds the losses have been massive if you take uh, i think it's the youth enterprise fund if you look at how much has been spent on running the fund that's four billion how much has been lost in non-performing loans that's another four billion so they're only left with three billion 70 percent of it is lost so as a kenyan being asked to put money into a fund I have to start by wondering, am I going to lose 70% of it up front so that the only chance is to get 3%? Will I ever get this house? Mm. So until those five key issues are addressed, I think it's a good idea. But the way we are going about it, mm. it's not adding up. I think one of the overriding math issues here is some of the stuff that uh, you've brought up, Oshira, and that folks are asking two of one of two things one first of all okay call it whatever you want to call it call it savings call it tax but we were not we have not been consulted about how you're going to go about and go ahead and do this when you hear the uproar is now when you say which we heard the president say yesterday that look folks this is not a tax it's saving essentially you're going to get your money back if you decide after the time that you want a house you you can get one if you decide that you want your money back you know you can you can get that as well but i think I think here the bullish way in which it's being presented is a problem. Mm -hmm. The second issue here is that uh, folks don't have that much shilling left or whatever they have today, it is not adequate to cover life. I mean, it sounds like a buzzword now, but the cost of living truly is through the roof. One, two, that things are getting more expensive by the day. In the next month or so, you're going to pay more for fuel. You pay more for fuel, everything else is going to become very expensive. Transport, food, everything is going to shoot through the roof. And I think those are the two things that Kenyans are finding burdensome today. To say that, okay, fine, it's it's great, and it's forward thinking of a government, etc., etc. But the people that you're asking to pay for this thing already are at the wall. And is that being taken into consideration, and how should it be? Yeah, sure. And um, uh, you see, the reason as to why we have what we call social dialogue is so that uh, you can have a tripartite um, kind of consultation where the government, the employer, and the unions, the employees, through their representatives, they can sit and discuss matters pertaining to their welfare in terms of their workplace and the remuneration. Uh, if you look at the Employment Act also, it also provides that uh, <clears throat> if you are going to deduct anything from an employee, they should have consented to, unless it's a tax. So if you're telling us it's not a tax and you have not consulted us, <laughs> then you're breaking the law. Oh. 
okay. <laughs> the problem with our government <laughs> is that um, it is impunity is the order of the day and uh, we know that uh, it's only the citizens who are supposed to follow the law the government does what is convenient it doesn't usually consider the law but then as you have said uh, as the employees have, have already said that we are overburdened our pay slips cannot take any more deduction mm. and uh, you know part of this conversation would have been we want you to own houses and i wonder what is the interest of the government by the way in uh, people owning houses do you know there is no way the government benefits in fact the government benefits more when i'm renting than when i have my own house because at least they'll have some uh, tax on rental income so how how is the government going to benefit when i own my own house but um so you just read for us article 43 yes 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 so we want to have that accessible good housing yes right yes it has to be owned by somebody now that that somebody can can rent you the house yeah it can but be rented not necessarily it can also be owned. renting is is housing <laughs> yes yes and by mm. the way mm. 67% of Kenyans if you also look at rural areas already own houses yes. you see it would have been good to then say we want to get it to 100% or 90% <laughs> so again it's just this thing has not been Gentlemen. explained pretty well mm. do we have a housing deficit in the country huge okay so if we have a housing deficit do you think the government has a responsibility towards ensuring that that deficit is bridged absolutely facilitative okay. so this is it so uh, is the affordable housing idea an, a noble idea towards addressing this need absolutely okay it's a question of how it's being done so it's what, the how it is, it the is how. not the why we i started need, by we saying housing. whatever that the government is pushing is a positive initiative the only question is how you see yes washira if you want us to own homes what you should do mm. is first to profile us and categorize us who is able to actually build their own home who is not able then those who are not able what do we do about it why would you for example there are so many employees who have taken huge mortgages and loans they have built their own houses yeah they are paying mortgages and loans yes now you are telling them they need to contribute <coughs> for these affordable housing for who for i already house. built mine i'm carrying the burden of paying why should i contribute uh, to this so there was lack of consultation in this mm. and even the way it's being done the first way uh, we are being told that, that you have to and uh, if you don't want to especially ourselves now we are being to, uh, we are being uh, told that we are siding with the employers because we are refusing for the employees to be deducted so that they can get the houses but by the way you know he was doing the maths uh, and i think it's coming to around uh, 420000 that is uh, at 5000 per month for 7 years then after that the cs in charge of housing is going to draft regulations to consider whether you are eligible or not so you actually might not even be eligible after having paid the 3% after having paid the, the 3% so after that 7 years when you get that house it's not that you are purchasing the house at 420000 that only qualifies you now to get a mortgage and now you can continue paying for that house yeah so it's basically you'll purchase the house in any other way that you would have and what that is why we're asking why not go out and get these private entities to come and do ppp 
build the houses and then once you have the houses you can say hey guys i have some affordable houses here why don't you come and take a mortgage and buy it there's a lot of misinformation or, or, or lack of information and you say yeah on what exactly this fund then does mm. is the fund building homes is the fund being used to be the pool where the private contractors because we can see all these houses that uh, uh, the president is launching the housing schemes yes. there's a private contractor attached to it mm. is it for the private contractors to use this pool to be able to access so they can then borrow money from the fund at a, at a lower rate than the market and be able then to produce cheaper houses for the market those are the conversations and i think when i we come back from the break i'll ask you because previously when this matter was being uh, fronted by the previous administration mm -hmm. and the fund was floated it was blocked in court by unions and by the consumer federation and the unions withdrew the case from court mm -hmm. why did the unions withdraw this case from court because once we understand why the unions did then we can understand are the unions then okay mm. with this new fund with a 1.5% or a 3% fund with just the concept of the housing fund because if we don't do that then we'll be lost let's take a break at 27 minutes to 8 as we take this break yesterday the president was at uh, Bellevue where he was launching yet another of the affordable housing projects and this is what he said about the housing fund listen the contribution you make in the housing fund is not a tax sio ushuru hiyo ni pesa yako Hiyo ni pesa yako sio pesa ya ushuru na hiyo pesa yako ukitoa shilingi moja yule ambaye ni amekuajiri anatoa shilingi moja sio lazima uwe na mapato ya kiwango fulani tunataka hata yule mtu ambaye analipa rent shilingi elfu tano aweze kulipa mortgage hiyo elfu tano baada ya miaka kumi, kumi na tano ako na nyumba ambayo ni yake uh, already those on the Kenya Kwanza side have said this thing we are passing it without changing a single thing the president yesterday spoke about the housing fund and he said we need it this look at it as a way in which we are jump starting people's journey towards home ownership mm. and getting into better uh, living this is the journey that we are going into um and this is not the first time the president is talking about this earlier in not this month towards the end of april he spoke at a church service in embakasi where he's first raised this issue and said this is what we want to do and of course there was a whole hue and cry about it from that and the unions came out again and said no 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 we don't support this i interviewed the principal secretary for housing charles hinga on ktn and he came in to explain number one first of all at that point he said the idea then was it's not mandatory Mm. The president was talking to civil servants and telling the civil servants actually we are putting together a kitty that those of our employees who would like to get into this housing fund you come and apply and as the employer we are going to match that it goes into the kitty now of course the finance bill says it now becomes mandatory it's one of the statutory deductions but the whole other idea of the fund and the reason why it had been blocked in court in the first instance was because of inadequate public participation and the unions apparently withdrew because they said all right so we can have a conversation and now we go and do better public participation and structure this thing better what i want to ask you peterson mm. is from your understanding when the unions were withdrawing the cases before court had they been convinced that this is a good thing mm. and it's a thing that we need to now adopt as a country thank you 
And <clears throat> maybe before I answer that, let us just understand this housing levy and how you are supposed to benefit. You are deducted 3% of your basic pay. Your employer matches that. You pay for seven years. If you are eligible, then you are located a house, you take a mortgage or a loan, and you purchase. If you are not, as will be determined by regulations to be drafted by the CS in charge of housing, I think there are four exits. One, uh, you can transfer to your kin. The other one, you can transfer to your pension. Of course, the third one is if you're eligible and uh, you're purchasing the houses. Mm -hmm. And the last one, you can actually get your money in cash, but the interest goes to the government. Because they say that the money that you'll be given, and by the way, there is nowhere it says that you are going to be given with interest. Mm. But what they say is that you'll be charged uh, you'll be taxed as per the prevailing tax uh, tax rates at, the, at that time. So that's why I'm saying you are giving government the money to use and the tax, uh, the, the interest will still go to them. Mm. So when it comes to in the previous regime, and uh, as we also say, talk about the unions, we must also talk about the people in government. Because the people in government are on record, actually opposing for the same reasons we are opposing and telling us to oppose because it was going to be burdensome to employees. But when it comes to the unions, mm. uh, it was taken, the case was uh, taken to court by uh, Kotu. We, uh, I can't also tell you how it was withdrawn because uh, all we know is that um, Kotu, the, 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 the SG sat with the president and the, <laughs> the case was withdrawn. And uh, th that is one of the problems we have, and we are, ha we are also having today. Because, uh, you see, the court will go and have an agreement with the government, and they want all employees to follow that. But that is not how unions work. When you come to the structure of unions, each independent union is distinct, and it has its own processes. It has a national governing body, it has branches coming together, which is, uh, we call it, uh, like in our setting, an annual delegates conference, which is actually the decision-making body in terms of strategic policy for the union. So our expectation was that before Kotu probably goes to the president and negotiates, they should tell the unions, can you go to your members and uh, make decisions? There is this proposal. Can you subject it to your decision-making process? Mm so that then we can take our collective decisions to Kotu and Kotu can communicate to the government. And I think that is one of the problems that we are having. So now, we are in a situation where the Kotu SG is in support. But all the employees in the public sector, all the unions representing, are against. And uh, that is where we also found ourselves last year. And I think uh, in the words of the current uh, Prime Cabinet Secretary, when he was talking about the 1.5, by then it was half yep. of what has been proposed. Because he summarized it very well. And he said it was burdensome, the workers would be impoverished by that provision. Now, we have double that amount, and the same people who told us to reject the 1.5% are telling us, but look, 3% is better. So, please take it. <laughs>
<laughs> we are not being sincere. We are looking for money for other things. Mm. We know that this is not the only way we mm. can be able to do this. Mm. There are better ways we can be able to do this. But because they want to raise money for some other reason, mm. this is just a convenient narrative. That is what we believe. It may not be correct, but from the union's point of view, we believe that these are, these are just convenient narratives. But what they are after is the workers' money. In has, fact, we should be increasing workers' money, not deducting. Has there been any uh, overtures from the government, from anybody, from the housing ministry, or from any sector to reach out to the unions, to the employees, even in government, to explain that this is what this fund is and this is how it shall work? No, we have not seen. Let's call that public participation. Has there been public participation on this bill, on this fund? No, there has not been public participation. Mm. I think uh, their target is in parliament. And we all know how our parliament looks like and how they are influenced mm. and how they are mobilized towards one side. And that's why as unions we have decided that uh, on 25th, as a matter of national interest, first we are going to have a procession as all the leaders of the unions to parliament mm -hmm. so that we can tell them that uh, our members who are the employees not only of government and who are their voters yeah. have said they don't want to be deducted mm. and we'll be providing alternative solutions because their solutions are readily available and that can be achieved if solutions you, to raising revenue or solutions to getting houses to getting the houses to getting enough money for NHIF, the solutions are there. When you talk about NHIF, just implement the amended act, make the employer pay a matching amount. You'll actually have more money than you're asking now. When it comes to the housing, float the PPPs. And by the way, uh, I agree with you that actually most of them are PPPs. Yep. That's why we are wondering, the money that they're asking us to contribute, where is it going? Is it going? So do they want Kenyans to loan private entities so that, so that they can do business with government? That will be illegal. Are they facilitating private businesses to do business with our money? Talking of the alternative, let me read for you. I think we are forgetting this. This is uh, on State House Kenya Facebook, October 24th, 2022. Financial sector players have agreed to support the government's affordable housing plan and other major infrastructure projects, including industrial parks, with a 500 billion investment in the first year. So, see, it looks like mm -hmm. there is a possibility of doing this from the private sector. And again, um, to be to dis disclose in terms of conflict of interest, given that I'm in investment management, we think the private sector can do this. Uh, in a manner that makes sense to the housing agenda, in, the, in a manner that makes sense for the Kenyan public by just contributing to a housing fund that is managed privately just mm. like a pension fund. Mm. So, When the president was meeting with the private sector, sorry, do you want to come in? Just let me. When the president was meeting with the private sector in State House, it was mostly those in uh, fund management, right? Yeah. So we had uh, insurance and pensions and all. And the conversation was, can they invest more heavily in the housing sector? Now, if you were to implement this housing fund, because you said the housing fund sounds like a good idea, how would those two sit? 
the private sector is willing to put in, is it 500 billion shillings? And then there's a housing fund that people are contributing into. How would you marry those two if you were to do it now in a better way? Mm. You see, the same way you contribute to your money market fund or the same way you contribute to education fund, private sector should start a private housing fund where you put your money voluntarily and the rate is known. You know, when you talk about savings, mm. this is one savings that you don't know what you are getting because if you go to a bank and you buy a certificate of deposit you will know this is what i'm getting if you want to save in a money market fund they'll tell you this is what i'm getting if you want to save in an insurance plan they'll tell you this is how much money you are getting mm. the housing plan as designed today nobody knows what they are getting on their savings plan and the same goes for the hustler fund the piece mm. that goes into savings up to today we don't know what is the interest that these guys are getting mm. or I don't know if they are getting statements. So if it's a savings plan, it ought to have clear return profile. So we are saying the housing fund makes sense, but not in the public sector context. Let private players create housing funds. Let individuals put money and they know this is my return. You put money for a certain period of time, you are getting 10 to 12% per annum return. Yeah. When the money is enough to put in a deposit, you transfer it from your, housing, from your private housing savings plan and put it into a deposit for a house and then you continue paying uh, what you are supposed to pay in rent, now you pay to mm. buy that particular house. So that's how it would work. Individuals will put money into a private savings uh, plan the same way they do in pension. And then, then they, they contribute. But I don't hear you saying there's anything wrong with a public one as well. Same way we have the same for uh, for pension. We have a public one and individuals can still buy their own uh, pension scheme. What is the return? The private sector. Mm. What is the return? That's the, the, the So that's the missing question. information. That's, that's one of the missing information. Mm. Then number two, what is the track record the ones that have been done you see i'm starting by the ones have been done who got them so there is a question of believability mm. will it really go to the individuals that we are talking about so if you can say this is the return for this housing fund and i don't see why it should return anything less than 10 percent because private sectors uh, people are saying if you put money into a money market fund we will give you 10 percent yeah. you will get your statement and then you will go pick the house at the place you want because there's also the issue of the guy in Mandera who you are going to deduct 3%. Will they come to Dandora or this affordable housing that we are launching? No, they want to live in Mandera. They want to live in Kuala. So there's the issue of choice. So it's just not return only. There are so many other issues with the plan as it is. And if I could just add one that Ndua talked about, you know, you talk about whether people can afford. I want to bring a face to it. You know, I talked to a lady who makes 16,000 shillings. Mm -hmm. They've lost 1,000. Lost, not that it's gone, but through the NSF deduction. Mm -hmm. So somebody who was getting 16 now is getting 15. 15. Yeah. Now, that is 6% that is gone from their income. You are telling them to reduce it again. And they're telling me, look, the money that is gone, this 1,000, this is 50 bob fare. So I cannot afford any more deduction at this particular point. Exactly. So that's the other issue. Let people choose whether they want to put money. Let them organize their own affairs. So, essentially what we're saying is that this could be a scheme where people can actually benefit if they're given the benefit of choice, right? Um, I would hope that 
even as you see the design of such ideas, that it is coming from a point um, of advice to say, this is how you can actually go about something like this. Mm. Looking at schemes that we've seen, whether they have been private in the past or otherwise, the way in which this is, because we're not really sure about the design of such of this idea, we're not sure that, as you're saying, Edwin, that if you put this in, this is what you're likely to get out. We're not sure how exactly this will all play out. All that's being said right now, really, without looking at schematics, is put you take your three percent, and you know maybe you'll have a house mm. later, or you know after <laughs> a few years or so. If you're not really interested in getting a house, perhaps you can get your money back. Essentially, that's what the saving is. Yeah. Does it look like the recipe for something that could go wrong? Does it look like something that could go wrong without the details of it? I mean, you mentioned the hustler fund, for example. You're saving, but you're not really sure where it goes. This 3% that you would get every month, where does it go? Will it go to an account somewhere? Escrow, it's held. Will it actually be going into... Will it be ring-fenced Will it be into buying housing? doors, you know? Will it be buying window frames? Literally. What happens to this money every month where it goes? Is it sitting somewhere waiting for it to accumulate and then it's thrown at one big project off Mombasa Road or in Kuala County? Really? Should we not know? So let's say that push comes to shove and uh, totalitarianism kicks in and you have no choice but to move this three. Where is it going? How will it be set up? Do Kenyans not have the right to know all of these details? Or we will be told actually, okay, guys, that went belly up. Sorry about it. Let's uh, have another go at it. <laughs> you know, and I think that's the principal <laughs> grievance that people have. Mm. You're saying... I will take first and first forcefully uh, I've just learned from him that uh, if you're gonna take forcefully then it has to be a tax so <laughs> I'll tax you yeah. but then your benefit is unknown and the grievance at least from the private sector is but there's already an infrastructure to do this willingly why don't you support that infrastructure because if you are an individual today and you want to contribute into a housing fund, the Real Estate Investment Trust, the regulations actually say you have to have five million. Mm -hmm. So we've made it, we've excluded the ordinary Kenyan. Then we turn around and say, but I will forcefully ask you to give me 5,000. So the government has a really good idea. The plan is not the right plan. And I don't know why, because the people who are running this, uh, somebody like uh, Piers Hinger, very brilliant guy, yeah. I know him from high school. So I don't know why we cannot sit and work on a market-based solution. We, we are an open market. We are a democracy. Why are we using this totalitarian kind of approach? Yet we do have the solutions that can work for markets voluntarily. Another question is, you know, this is being done probably out of convenience. We are making laws out of convenience mm. so that we can get money for the government. What assurance do we have that after seven years, we will not be told, hey, guys, uh, see, we have not actually been able to achieve what we wanted. Uh, we think we actually want to extend it to another seven, for another seven years to 14 years. Mm. What stops the MPs from doing that? What stops the CS? from after seven years declaring everybody ineligible and selling their houses out so because the government needs money what stops them so if you are going to take workers money for something that is supposed to benefit them mm -hmm. 
the ideology should actually be coming from the workers if if it was something that uh, is so convincing that it's supposed to 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 to, to benefit workers we as the unionists would actually be the first ones because our members would be pushing us that look this is a good thing we want it but how comes now our members are, are pushing us to actually do everything that we can so that uh, it doesn't actually get implemented mm. yes you're the chairman of the clinical officers union what's the lowest salary that a clinical officer gets in this country in public or in private in, in public in the public in sector. public I would say the take home the lowest probably may be around uh, 60 that's net yes so what's the what's the basic the basic yeah, I think the, the lowest basic, basic for now is around around 20 something around 27 something so that's the that's from what the 3% this officers. is the 3% will come from that from, from the basic yes it is 3% of the basic yes. of that 27 yes all right and that's what now you you are raising issues and saying when you take the 3% from that basic then you've mm. affected uh, this person's take home but it's on, it's not only that you have the three basic right we are increasing the nhif to 2.75 of gross, gross. not basic mm-hmm. you also have a nssf for some Yep. For those counties that do not have a pension fund, they'll still be deducted the NSSF that we have increased. But there's tier 1 for everybody. Whether, for? They, whether they have pension or not, is it not? Yeah, actually, and, that, and that's something that else that we have an issue with. There's tier 1 and everybody will pay, and then there's tier 2 which will now Yes. And what we are saying is that when you have a pension, you're not supposed to be compelled to pay a second pension. That is that is also not legal. So if you look at these deductions cumulatively yeah they are burdensome they are actually going to impoverish the civil servants and i i think the fact is our economy runs on civil servants and that this is one secret that actually kibaki used when excellency uh, kibaki the former president may god rest his soul in eternal peace mm. when he took up the government our government was broke And the first thing that he did actually when he came in he he had he, he actually implemented a pay rise for everyone mm. basically everyone and then taxed a little so what that did is that with the extra money I'm having yep. I will invest when I invest in a business I employ more people I pay them a salary I pay tax people will buy from my business they pay that and so he widened the The, the tax net and that is how Kenya was able to actually collect more tax now we are doing the reverse you are taxing them more we will not be able to invest we will not employ anybody and in future if they continue like this actually our our taxes are going to come down mm. i think there is somebody who said that uh, a nation cannot tax itself from uh, to, into po- prosperity. In prosperity and if you try doing that is like getting into a bucket and uh, you try lifting it by its handle <laughs> and that's that's what we are doing thank you very much gentlemen for joining us today Edwin Dande CEO of Cyton Investments and Peter Solwashira the national chairman of the Kenya Union of Clinical Officers this is the situation room the only way to start your day how about that you made it to the end of today's podcast you clearly ooze stamina Guess what? Just hit subscribe at Standard Media Podcast, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts from. Our podcasts drop daily. From me and the team, catch you next time. Bye-bye.
Oh, 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 oh,